Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. I think Ben Charrington listens to Box in the Basement. Um, um, we know he does. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he answered questions to the media that were, weren't even asked by the media, but we talked about them on the show. Like, I love that he's right with me. Here's his quote, we need to improve the offense. The first base DH thing comes up because it's clear there's a lot of opportunity there. Who's been saying that for the last month and a half, two months? Is it, is it me? Because I think I've been saying that. Like, that's so obvious. And that's what you've been saying, like pretty much every single time. It's like, okay, we we got you know G Man Choi, and you're like, man, there's still an opportunity to add another uh, major league bat in there. Yeah, uh, start starting pitcher, which is something else he's talking about, and he doesn't even really hasn't even put catcher like on the radar, which we kind of really haven't either. I mean, we talked about some options, but it wasn't at the top of our priority list. Because we're thinking that at some point in time, I mean, you can pick up a catcher if you're going to just have him, you know, be on for one year. Right, right. I think the big thing right now is that they're trying to work something out with Roberto Perez so that it's two years, but there's like a, some sort of option or something for the second year. And that's obviously, I think, what's happening right now. The other thing you can go out and get very easily is another Kevin Newman. I am surprised by people that are like, whoa, that's all we got? You know, there's guys available right now in Major League Baseball. Go take a look at the non-tendered list. Guys that play infield that can do second base, shortstop, maybe even third, that are sitting out there right now that are worth about a win above replacement in their B-war, that that can play defense and hit a little bit, that have numbers. Some of them have numbers last year better than what Kevin Newman did. And and so that's not a guy who a team is going to give up a lot to acquire. Being able to move him and acquire anything that you're interested in when there really isn't a need for him anymore, as Charrington said uh, when he was talking with reporters, like, hey, we got O'Neill Cruz. He's the shortstop. You know, they've got plans for second base that don't include Kevin Newman. There's no place for him anymore. They were able to get something for him. I'm fine with it. You know, it's always funny to me how hometown fans in any town, and, and Pittsburgh is no exception, value their own players so much greater than what the player actually is because you've watched him for so long. But trust me, that was that was about all you're going to get for Kevin Newman. Yeah, I mean, it's a barely above replacement level player to a degree. I mean, last year he was, you know, 1.1 war. But for the most part, that's, that's all defensive oriented. There's a lot of, you know, solid second base defensive players that somebody could have gotten here. And we even talked about how he was, I mean, that we probably would have tendered him because, you know, maybe it wouldn't be forcing, you know, Rodolfo Castro to come along quicker. It wouldn't be forcing um, whoever it may be. You know, it gives Ono Cruz like his spot at shortstop. Uh, 
you still have, you know, other players like a G1 Bay who could fill in behind Castro at second base, Marcano. I mean, there's Diego Castillo. You might want to see a little bit more of a look at him. So, I mean, it, you get a relief pitcher performed well in his first taste of the majors uh, just this past year. I mean, in 2021, 2022 was not great. He's also pitching in Great American Ballpark. And for some reason, I think to try to keep the ball in the park, because he does give up some home runs, I think they tried to have him accentuate his sinker. Because uh, looking at a lot of stuff that he was doing before is that he was throwing like a four-seamer, like almost like 75% of the time. And then now he was throwing that less, throwing the sinker more. So I'd have to break down game by game because once he came back up uh, for the last time when he was there for more of a stretch uh, for the Reds this past year, I mean, his his ERA was was down below three. Uh, FIP was a little bit higher. I think it was like 3.98. So showing there could be something. But the whip was below one. I mean, he was like elite reliever uh, whip uh, for that last little bit that he was up uh, towards the end of the year. So, I mean, it's a small sample size. It was like 24 of his 38 innings. So, I, I mean, you're taking a shot on a guy who, once again, the biggest thing about people here is is the amount of control. Uh, you still have <laughs> three more years with this guy before he would even need to go to arbitration. Uh, you were going to arbitration with Kevin Newman, and you were going to have him, what we were saying would hopefully be at the most a bench piece on your squad. That's it. This episode of Bucks in the Basement brought to you proudly by shopyins.com. Three dynasties. You got one brand. It's Yins, the number one brand for Pittsburgh sports. I saw you on Instagram out at uh, the Steelers game uh, shooting basically a Yins commercial. I saw you out there. You just have a big picture of yourself and you're you're ready for the game and you're you're just got wise all over all of your clothing. Are you, are you picking up money that I'm not getting doing that? <laughs> no, you, man. If if I was getting money off of this, I'd probably be a millionaire at this point in time. I mean, that's, I was out there. I was a walking yin's uh, billboard this last time, and and thanks to my uncle for the great photography on that one because I am neither a model and he is not a photographer, and uh, it was a pretty good shot. And I actually, you know, I, I thought I looked pretty good in it. White's usually not my color. I like a little bit more of the the black and gold on there. But that a, a lot of people commented on the. Uh, on the sweatshirt because everybody hates the new name of the stadium, the Acker sure or whatever it is. Everybody's like, are you sure? You know what? Everybody love the sweatshirt. Free shipping on orders, uh, $75 or more. There's some new stuff up there just in time for the holiday shopping season. And uh, you can get their link inside of the Bucks in the Basement show notes on the website, BucksInTheBasement.com. All right. So I looked at some of the the non-tenders out there. Did you go through the, the list yet? I mean, I, I'm... I know that Ben Charrington likes to go diving for another person's trash, right? Like, he's the one man's trash is another man's treasure GM, and he's been that. Unfortunately, he has no room on his 40-man because the thing is stacked. So as you go and look through the list of non-tendered players that have basically become free agents, there are some interesting names out there that I immediately perked up and said, well, that guy could still be something. Like, for example... The Angels got rid of uh, Tuki Toussaint, right-handed starting pitcher, who had a nice little run in 2021 and then got injured and never made his way back up to the majors, still young enough, 
could be a pitcher that I would want in my system to see is there anything that's left that he may have in him. You know, as I as I scroll down, Alex Reyes is such an interesting name from the Cardinals. He was a guy who was going to be a star, never worked out for him, dealt with a lot of injuries, but that's a Ben Charrington candidate right there, a guy that probably still has a few years of baseball left if he could just put it together he would be somebody that I would think that a, a Ben Charrington would go and, and kick the tires on a little bit. Dominic Smith, first baseman for the Mets, you know, a couple years ago had a really nice season and then got about 450 at-bats and it wasn't as good as what it looked like in the small sample size, but didn't really get to play very much in 2023. And I think he's around 27 years old. And here's a guy that, you know, might still be able to unlock something because he hasn't passed those prime years yet. Was there anybody that stood out to you? Do you think that he's still in that mindset of go out and grab somebody's trash and see whether or not it's really a treasure? I mean, I think he is to a degree. And and we were talking about it before we hopped on, Chris, about how weird it was that they're still at 40. Like, you look across Major League Baseball, and I mean, there's some teams that are like, you know, usually like right now around like 35 to 38, 39 just in case, you know, you you're going to pick somebody up, you're going to you wouldn't have to get rid of somebody, but it's almost like Ben Charrington, he just holds on to everything for so long. Like he could have made so many different moves and he could have, you know, DFA'd. We talked about the number of players he could have, but it's almost like he doesn't want to get rid of something until he has something to immediately re- replace it. Like, if he wouldn't have gone out and got G-Man Choi yet and we were still waiting on our first baseman, I, like, almost fully believe that Zach Collins would still be on the 40-man roster. So until he would have somebody to actually replace that person, that they're not going to, you know, step out and and do something. Uh, There's, I mean, the big name that's kind of been out there for everybody that that I've seen and that it, it did pique my interest, like, almost from the beginning we already got one central division uh, pitcher in the Kevin Newman deal. So I would think we would go out and get another guy who's fairly young and performed fairly well from the Cardinals. Um, Alex Reyes, right-handed pitcher, uh, made his MLB debut in 2016. Uh, he had a 1.57 ERA, 28% strikeout rate over 46 innings. Then has uh, misses all of 2017, you know, recovering from Tommy John. And then he only has about, I think it's like 26 and a half innings. It's something like that from 2018 to 2020. And, and just really hasn't, you know, gotten back up there. And the, the Cardinals are like one of those types of teams that, you know, if if you're kind of forgotten for a little bit, that they'll find somebody to replace you. So, so there would be one. I mean... But I feel like, you know, pitching is something they're going to have to pick up here anyway. I'm still surprised with the Robert Stevenson. Like, that's the one I thought, like, or Dwayne Underwood Jr., we even said, $1.9 million tendered to to Robert Stevenson, $1 million to, you know, Dwayne Underwood Jr. It's going to fall in around that range um, before it would go to arbitration. Hopefully they can avoid that with those guys. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that kind of stuck out to me. Dominic Smith was one. I mean, the, the Mets just kind of looked at it and said, okay, we have the cheap option that the Pirates gave us in Daniel Vogelback, who was hitting, you know, better than Dominic Smith had. But, you know, it wasn't too long ago, you know, 2019, that, you know, Dominic Smith had an 881 OPS and 11 home runs. 
So I think that's where he might fall into like that kind of category. Uh, for for the Mets and for the Pirates to, to kind of want him is that he's kind of a guy that's fallen out of favor, but Ben Charrington likes he basically looks and and we've seen this before, Chris. If somebody had a great season in double A AA or triple A last year, all over Ben Charrington's radar. If somebody had a a good season in Major League Baseball anywhere from like 2018 on, no long, no matter how big the sample size was, but has fallen off, you know, in even 2021, 2022, he is usually there to scoop that kind of stuff up. And he's even said, you know, even since picking up G-Man Choi, he's still mentioning first base and DH along with starting pitching more than he's mentioning, you know, catcher or relief pitchers. Because, I mean, honestly, the bullpen, it, everybody's saying I, I'd like him to go out and sign somebody to a to a bigger contract within the bullpen. But it, as we're seeing, I mean, <laughs> you can go out and, and last year, you know, they give a guy a, a couple million dollars in the bullpen and it der- didn't turn out so well. But then you can go out and, you know, Chase D. Young, who... <laughs> they I, were like it's like non-tendering and signing to minor league deals and they did the same thing with Clay Holmes the year before you know kind of turn out to be some of your better pitchers so I, I mean the bullpens are so finicky so for me yeah go out and get another bat if it's a guy that could maybe play you know outfield and first base that would be awesome you know first base and DH get a catcher but for me another thing is just getting starting pitching to kind of sure that up a little bit because I mean you're actually getting some good stuff out of you know Mitch Keller, uh, JT Brubaker is is kind of just been consistent. It hasn't been great, but he's been what he's been. Rowanzi's going to be there, but then if not, you're looking at Johan Oviedo and Luis Ortiz, and then you know Zach Thompson and Bryce Wilson again. So I mean I think Ben Charrington is is has the right mindset at least in that aspect of that. You know what, getting G Man Choi, you weird. You know, defensive-minded in my mind for first base, a guy that can actually play first base, hopefully makes O'Neill Cruz a little bit better. You know, can maybe scoop some of the stuff, or you know, just kind of help him with a little bit of that stuff. You know, you're gonna have Rodolfo Castro at second base now. You know, we've seen him have uh, little hiccups in the field, so having an actual professional first baseman out there, you know, leading the charge with that, but to also you know get somebody else in DH or get somebody else to somewhat give, you know, Choi a little bit of a break because, I mean, looking back on the years, you know, it's not like Choi is, is going to be out there 162 games, you know, in the season. So you're going to need maybe somebody else to play a little bit of first base. So yeah, Dominic Smith is one that I definitely noticed, and I, and I know he's he's kind of been like on, you know, the downturn, but he's still only 27 years old. So, so that's one. And like I said, you look like an Alex Reyes type player who – you know, pretty much hasn't performed due to injury, but you may still be able to find something in. I think that's just kind of what he's he's doing. Because even with like a Newman type thing, we, we talked about, you know, going after, and I know, Chris, you've been waiting for me to to completely butcher this guy's name. I had to look it up on Baseball Reference and, and how you pronounce it, but it is Dari Moretta, I believe is how you pronounce his name, but he was... Uh, in the top prospects uh, for the Cincinnati Reds 
even up until this past year, I mean, uh, Fangraphs goes the whole way down to 50. He's around like 46, a 35 future value, but had actually pitched pretty well the year before. And, and even as poorly as he pitched um, this past season, he was still, you know, above one war and B war. He was one war. So he's a, bu- a little bit above replacement level. I mean, we were throwing guys out there last year who were like negative six, negative, you know, negative 0.6, negative 0.8. So you got a guy that's a little bit younger and has control. So well, I've I've replaced Kevin Newman already with the non the non tendered list. I've already found somebody who's outperformed Kevin Newman for the last three years is a plus defender. Outperformed him at the plate for the last three years and was equal to him four years ago. Twenty eight years old, Danny Mendick plays second base, shortstop, third base. Right there. You could find a guy who actually hit better than Newman and is actually coming off a, a a really good season where he, what did he do in a small sample size? This is a Ben Charrington candidate if I ever saw one in my life before. 289 with a 786 OPS. He had over a 900 OPS against left-handed pitching and was still about 730 against right-handed pitching and plays plus defense. And so you sit around and you go, how can we get rid of Kevin Newman? Because guys like that are sitting out there who I could put side-by-side right now and tell you Pirate fans that that guy is better than Kevin Newman, and he's just sitting in the wind right now. So if the, if the Pirates really still need a Kevin Newman-type player, they could pick up a Danny Mendick or probably three, four other guys that can do the same job. So that, that's what I noticed when we were going through the list here. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we were talking about beforehand, Chris, that this kind of explains the Jared Triolo, uh, his his protection on the 40 man a little bit better at least it does for me you think he's the replacement like he's the guy that would likely slide into that Newman spot right now because he could at least do what Newman did yeah and and here's the thing is I mean he we talked about why he was protected he was you know the defender of the year within our minor league system for the past two years gold glove in the minor leagues two years ago uh, plays third base shortstop plays center field could basically probably means he could also play second base you know, at the major league level. So it's almost looking that, you know, we're going to give O'Neill Cruz his run, but if O'Neill Cruz was injured, you know, God forbid, knock on wood for a significant period of time, or just wasn't working out, you know, at shortstop. And we were thinking about making that move to the outfield. I feel like they would feel more secure in, you know, being able to be provided good defense by Triolo, which I, I, his defense would play right now. Um, within the major leagues. We've seen like how well Cabrian Hayes' defense has transitioned. You know, that's where Triolo keeps on getting compared to defensive-wise and 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 kind of hits the same way as well. So you're not looking at like a big hitter. Well, I mean, that's pretty much what you're getting from Kevin Newman. So, you know, why wouldn't you give, you know, O'Neill Cruz his run? Why wouldn't you look to see more, you know, from Rodolfo Castro, from a G1 Bay? So let me ask you this question. Like, I'll be I'll be the dumb fan here, Okay. I can look on prospect list and I can find uh, Pagaro much higher than Triola. And, and they both are playing at about the same level in, in the majors. So why, would, why wouldn't Pagaro be the guy in that case if Cruz all of a sudden wasn't playing shortstop? I, I know we're going down a rabbit hole here and that wasn't the main point of what you were putting in. But like, is it, is it, is it gotten to the point where even though national prospect list put these guys in a different order, the Pirates have that order flipped? Do you think? I think to a certain degree, and I think that's a reason. Another reason why they would, uh, you know, kind of uh, protect Triolo is that I don't think Leo Verpagero has taken the step forward 
that many people, I mean, I think national pundits, but also within the organization, um, thought he was going to take. I, I believe that his his defense will come around. He definitely has some errors. He's working on a little bit of footwork stuff. He's working on, it's a lot of the stuff with the arm. Uh, the same with Cruz. They have, you know, Cruz has an 80-grade arm. Pagueros is just a little bit below that. And they think they can make up, like, their little bit of mistakes with that arm and and just have a lot of throwing errors. Um, so I, I would think that that's where Triolo would be protected. He's also, you know, Brian Hayes hasn't been the healthiest. You know, so you have, like, you know, possibly a, a Castro sliding over there, a Triolo sliding over there. Uh, it gives you more uh, flexibility. That's the thing within the Pirates is the more versatility. Like I said, Triolo is third base, sh shortstop, center field. And if he can play third base and shortstop, I, I guarantee he can probably play some second base, especially now, you know, with the 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 shift regulation rules or the shift reduction rules uh, that you would need a little bit of a better player um, defensively at the second base position. Um, so I, I think he's almost like that defensive replacement type thing. I think with, with Leover, he is going to get his shot at some point in time, but I think it was just a little bit, uh, a little bit disappointing because, you know, once he went back down to, to double a, it wasn't a name that you heard, um, a lot from after that, he, he definitely started to struggle, but, I mean, we've seen that before. I mean, Castro last year, after he got sent back down, started to struggle um, in AA. And even the times that he, you know, got sent back down the first time this year, he you know, wasn't like this huge powerhouse, but, you know, was able to come back up. Uh, but I, I think that if it was a short-term thing, I think you might see Pagaro pop up in there again. But I, I honestly think that it, it's one of those guys, uh, Jared Triolo, might fall into, you know, they're not worried about... Uh, any type of service manipulation, uh, any type of, you know, starting his clock early type of deal. He's he's not that type of prospect. So I think that would possibly play into it a little bit too. I mean, I, I know that we've had our conversations uh, a bunch of times, Chris, about our feelings, you know, concerning you know, service time manipulation. I, I don't, it doesn't really bother me because I understand how the system is. And if, you know, you can get all the good years of a prospect instead of just having them come up and play on an absolutely god-awful team. Yes, I would like to see our best players out there. Um, but then we also see like how not too many guys come up and just you know hit the ground running and have to be bounced up and down a few times. I mean, there wasn't really any uh, prospects I mean, other than Uno Cruz who was steadily improving you know throughout the, his time there that we didn't see come up and then have to be really sent back down again at some point in time during the year. Well, here, let me ask you a question about a guy who MLB.com this week listed as the best chance for a rookie of the year for the Pirates. They did the best chance for a rookie of the year for every team in Major League Baseball. So this is the guy they think could play this year and stick with the team, which I, I, I want to ask you, do you even think that he's making the opening day roster and how quick does he get up here? And do you believe in this? I'll leave out his name real quick in case you didn't read it. Let me just read what they said. Devel it's a pitcher who has developed into more of an efficient pitch to contact type, can miss bats at 8.9 Ks per nine innings, has a ceiling still to reach and will be 22 years old for the 2023 season. 
He finished in AAA, spent most of his season in AA, and I'm talking about Quinn Priester. Do you believe that that is a legitimate rotation piece that's coming up this season? Because MLB.com seems to believe that not only is he going to be in the rotation, but he's the Pirates' best chance of a Rookie of the Year candidate. I don't see that. I mean, that's actually fairly surprising to me. If I would have opened up that article, I would have thought it would have said Andy Rodriguez, like from the word go. Because if you're, my, this is my reasoning for for Andy, is even if you go out and get one catcher, you're gonna get go out and probably get an older catcher. We even talked about our favorite, you know pick our quote-unquote favorite we talked about Omar Navires we talked about you know Tucker Barnhart those guys both like had a little bit of injuries last year you go back out and get Roberto Perez who's coming off the huge hamstring injury that's after so that's where like to me it would be surprising that it wouldn't be Endy and and for another thing I'm actually just surprised that they think that Quinn Priester is going to be up there that quick and and long enough to even be in the conversation for rookie of the year because the way that I would see you know this rotation playing out is that it would start off Rolanzi, Mitch, JT, and then you're going to have at least one, at least one free agent because that's what Ben Sherrington's done these past two years with the Tyler Anderson with the Jose Quintana. You're going to have at least one. We've even discussed and he's even discussed the possibility of a second one. Which they tried with, you know, Trevor Cahill and, and Derek Holland and, and, and other people in other instances, but actually getting two uh, decent starting pitchers. Then you have Johan Oviedo. Then you have Luis Ortiz. Then you possibly have Cody Bolton if if he makes it through the Rule Five. I mean, to see Quinn Priester getting more than. I mean, I, I saw him possibly getting like the Ronzi Contreras treatment, you know, from the previous year that we might see him for the last weekend of this year coming up. I mean, the guy's only 22 years old, doesn't have to be protected from the Rule 5 until, you know, next December. So he's a guy that I thought, you know, you might see in, you know, August, September maybe. So, but for rookie of the year, you're thinking he's coming up in like early. Yeah. Like you would think that he was coming up early. That's why it surprised me. That's why I read it for you because I, I looked at it and I was like, really? Cause I didn't have him on my radar. And I was like, is he really somebody that's going to come walking in the door all of a sudden and have an opportunity to break into a staff? Because if you're going to list him like that, then that's what you're trying to say is the person that is, is analyzing this for MLB.com and putting this article out that you actually believe that's what's going to happen. I mean, he had 15 starts in double A in Altoona and he had two starts in Indianapolis. Now over those starts, he looked good. Okay. Anytime I see, you know, my rule on walks and hits per innings pitched, he's right in the range where he should be. In fact, he was ace quality when he was in Altoona with that. Okay. And he was, he was sufficient in triple A Indianapolis. I, I don't know if I'm starting him though, up in the majors. Like if he has a big spring, who knows, but you're right. I think Endy is the guy that I would think could be the rookie that breaks out this year for the Pirates. I I was looking on um, a CBS Fantasy Sports site. You and I are in the same league there. I've won several championships. You're always in last place. But (laughs) uh, they put out a list. Scott White put out a list. He's their main writer over there of the top 10 catching prospects uh, for fantasy baseball for 2023. He listed not only Henry Davis fourth, but Andy Rodriguez sixth. Now, when he writes about Davis, 
He's not really saying he's going to make it there. But when he writes about Andy Rodriguez, I'm going to read what he had to say. I'm tempted to stick my neck way out for Rodriguez, moving him even ahead of Davis at this surprisingly crowded position. This is all catching prospects for fantasy catcher. And and let's be honest, you're not putting guys on the list unless you think they're making it to the majors sometime soon. Because we're talking about... We're talking about fantasy sports here, okay? Somebody's going to be in the minors for several years. I mean, maybe for a dynasty league, you know, this makes a little bit of sense. But generally, if you're up high on one of these lists, it's because Scott White thinks there's a chance you might play during the season that's coming up or at least be out there for a dynasty league in 2024. And this is what he's writing about with Rodriguez. Discounting, uh, he says he would have stuck his neck out, but discounting the pedigree of a former number one overall pick seems like a fairly reckless move. So he's basically saying, I would put Rodriguez in front of Davis if Davis wouldn't have been picked so high in the draft. That's how much he valued Henry Rodriguez. As for Rodriguez, he got better with every step up the ladder, batting 386 with a 1.193 OPS from June 25th on and is versatile enough to man the outfield on his off days behind the plate. That's the guy I would think, I'm with you, could be the the rookie that bust out this year for the Pirates and we're all very excited about by July. Yeah, and I think that people, I think they are being overly cautious to not put him ahead of Davis, but I mean, he... Who cares where you're drafted, right? I mean, you yeah. still gotta, you still have to develop, you still have to, to become a Major League Baseball player, and Major League Baseball and the minor leagues are riddled with guys who are first-round draft picks who don't work out, and just because you're in the top 10 doesn't mean you ever become a Major Leaguer or an effective one. Now, we want Henry Davis to do it, there's nothing that says that he won't, but if you have to rank the Pirates catchers right now in the system... Andy, Andy Rodriguez is the best catcher in the system right now, correct? Absolutely, and he's he's the next man up uh, w- within AAA. I would have to assume. I, I think that they, you know, that's why there's going to be who they're going to sign. Whoever's going to be Roberto Perez or a Roberto Perez, we'll say, and then one of Ali Sanchez. I mean, there still could be somebody out there that they they grab up. Whoever it would be, that would probably get you know, the shot before an Andy Rodriguez, but I would see that as where, you know, I still think that they want to see a lot of these pitchers and I don't see where, where Quinn Priester, I mean, you're almost hoping that he's just going to like splash onto the scene, like AKA like a Spencer Strider or something. And like, just take over and, and not be sent back down. But that's also for a team that was in line to compete I, I just can't see the Pirates. That's where one thing it just doesn't line up to me is I can't see the Pirates doing that when he's only 22 years old and they don't have to protect him yet, don't have to add him to the 40 man, that that he would be up. It just it would be kind of going against everything that they've done so far. Interestingly enough, in the article by Scott White, he also talks about how Andy Rodriguez could very easily be second amongst all catching prospects on his list that he put out this past week behind Francisco Alvarez. And the only reason Alvarez would be higher is because he's hitting so well, because Alvarez is not a very good defensive catcher. I mean, it's really if you're a Pirates fan, when you start seeing these little things, it should make you excited. You, you know, there's a reason, I think, why there's not a big rush to go get a catcher. I think everybody's really surprised by that because Ben Charrington isn't talking about it. I think his catcher is Andy Rodriguez and a veteran to be named. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say.